Hi, and welcome back to MBEF's In the Know podcast. Today, I sit down with Hillary Mahan, Executive Director of MBEF. I'm a big believer that strong schools make for a great community. When our oldest was entering kindergarten, we looked at the local private schools and were very impressed. A neighbor said, those schools are incredible, but why would you leave our schools? Our schools are the center of our community, and this is a really great place to be a part of. That one statement literally made my decision for me, and it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Today, I'm so happy to sit down with the brilliant and incredible Hillary Mahan. Hillary leads the charge in raising funds to supplement the dollars we receive from the state. For years, I've received the MBEF emails from her and had no idea about the woman behind those emails. Today, we're all going to get to know her. She's warm, she's kind, she's strong. She works really hard. And what she wants more than anything is to give the kids in our community the best education possible. Here's my interview with Hillary. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hillary, I'm so happy to be sitting down with you today. Thank you. Hi there, Alan. It's always a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much. Let's just get started for the people who don't know you. I know you live in the community. You have kids in our schools. So can you tell me a little bit about you? Absolutely. I have lived here in Manhattan Beach well over 20 years now. My husband and I migrated here after graduating from college where we met in Santa Barbara. Very young, I'm 19 years old and have been together ever since. We have three children, all through MBUSD schools. Our oldest is a junior at Cal Poly Slope, studying animal science. We have a senior at Maricosta, a daughter, and then a daughter just starting sixth grade at MBMS. That's a nice spread. It's a pretty healthy spread. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> made that got their time with you. Absolutely. We yeah. dove back in. And, and um, I think once our middle daughter heads off to college, our youngest is going to get a whole lot of love. Oh, that's so that's sweet. That's nice. My daughter is scared. She said the house will be no fun without my son. So sure. <laughs> that's a possibility. <laughs> we'll see. Did you grow up going to public schools? Absolutely. Public schools have been part of my life since I was very young. Both of my parents were public school teachers. My mom actually continued to run through the system and became an administrator, was a assistant principal, principal, and eventually retired as a superintendent and still continues to work in schools, acting as interim superintendents in San Luis Obispo County or many times as a consultant, helping to guide teachers and administrators. That is so interesting. I feel like that is such a huge puzzle piece of you that I did not know. I'm always amazed at your passion and your drive for our schools and our community, what gives you so much drive and enthusiasm to really make these schools better? It, it does come down to the passion that was instilled in me as a young child. Absolutely. I have always seen education as such an integral part to who we all become. And both of my parents emulated this, but in particular, my mom. She was a true role model for me to what public education and what an individual could do in the life of a student. And she was always everyone's favorite teacher. She was always the person. And, and by that, I mean, I was on campus with her. It wasn't always easy to be the student of a teacher at school, but 
she would make brand muffins for everyone on final day because she wanted to make sure that they were prepped and ready with their brains engaged. Um, she was the one who went above and beyond taking weekend trips with FHA students and ensuring that they had experiences well beyond what they were getting in the classroom. She was a true inspiration and she still is. I mean, the fact Everything that she's able to manage in her life from her volunteer work as a CASA, supporting young, young um, students and individuals who need extra support because they're not receiving it from their own households to still supporting leaders in school districts around her. You know, I, old model. Now I get it. She must be so proud of you to see all that you're doing. She's, she's amazing and she's helpful to me as well. So I get a lot of, um, a lot of articles sent in the mail, a lot of the mail, 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 mail. She, she still writes me letters every week and, um, she's still a, a source of education for me as I know she is for many others. And I think it's that, that element of what I believe can happen in any classroom and in any district, in any school as to why. I really value it. And I really value it. a public education that can be all of that all wrapped in one, right? Um, yes. I, I really believe that what we are providing our students here in Manhattan Beach is something that sets us apart from any other community. And it's something that I hope we can become a model for for many other communities. I don't think Manhattan Beach should be special and our students only be the ones that receive something like this. But I do think we can, uh, we can set that tone. And, and I believe that we are. I think we are too. And I'm going to thank you because you really are, you are the leader in our community who gets us donating and who leads the charge on raising all the money that we do that goes directly to our students. So thank you so much. What you're doing is just as important as what your mom did. We really need that. Thank you. Thank you. My mom was a teacher as well. So I think that's why I had my interest in education. You do see the power of it. Absolutely. And it shows us as parents that um, what are, you know, how much we have followed what our parents do, you know, and so hopefully we're living these lives that we're proud of because our kids are going to model what we do. I think you're right. Absolutely. And I'm already beginning to see that in my son, who's a junior in college and starting to see the little things that we've done in our own household and how he's starting to incorporate those into his life and how he approaches his relationships, his learnings, his um, practices at work and at school. It's quite amazing. So hopeful. <laughs> it takes time. It's so hopeful. For, and my um, one of my favorite quotes is Cory Booker says, someone said, oh, your mother must be so proud of you. And he's like, well, behind, you know what my mother says? Behind every man is a shocked mother. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> that. But that's awesome. That's amazing about your son. I love that. Okay. Any fun stories? I have to ask Dr. Bose this question. And I think it's just a fun way to get to know you a little bit better. Any fun stories from when you were growing up in school, in public school? I have to think on that one. Okay. <laughs> there are so many fun stories. I mean, I've already I've already hinted at the fact that my mom was always on campus when I was. 
And I think that there was a time when, and I really, she allowed me and my, my parents allowed me to drive my education in some ways. And there was a time when I opted to go to a private school in our town, uh, a mission college preparatory, which was our Catholic school. And I rode the city bus. It was an independent experience for me and I absolutely loved it. But when I shifted to come back to the public school system, my mom was a teacher at that school and she taught what used to be called home economics at that time. And it was a lot of focus on economics and, and um, living and all of that. Um, but she used me as an example quite a bit in her classes. <laughs> And so when I first stepped on school grounds in eighth grade at a time when you, you know, you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to figure out who you are and you come on as the only child of the school's favorite teacher who was probably a daily example used in class, it was traumatic for me. It was so traumatic that I almost hightailed it right out of there and said, I'm out. I got to go back to mission. But I sucked it up. And as soon as people started realizing I, you know, I wasn't 20 years old and the stories of being diapers were just <laughs> prior, no, but it was, um, it was more, more acceptable, but it was, it was that closeness and I grew up in a small town. So it was that closeness that, um, that almost became enduring and, and it ended up making it more of a, a special relationship and bond than I started developing with the friends that, that I have. That's so cute. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you so much. So we'll get to MBEF now that we all know you a little bit better. Can you please tell me a little bit about the history of MBEF? Sure. MBEF was founded in 1983 by a very small group of parents who got together and decided that the amount of funding that our school district was receiving was not enough, that there needed to be some other way to augment that funding um, from the state. And it started with very small grants, really focused on music, focused on arts, focused on a variety of different things that has essentially grown from the $10,000 grant initially to the 7.5 that was as soon as last year. Wow. That's so cool to think about the power of an individual group, you know, to start something that literally 30 years later, 40 years later, we'll be celebrating our 40th anniversary in 2023. Wow. That's quite phenomenal. Absolutely. And quite frankly, many of these individuals didn't stop there. They also started an endowment fund, which has grown now to over $24 million. That was the same group of people? Same. You just right not that long after. How Absolutely. Cool. The wine auction started and we, you know, we're celebrating our 28th year of the wine auction just this year. And so this, this really forward thinking, highly intelligent, highly engaged, dedicated, generous group started it back then. And it's continued. It's absolutely continued from that point on. I mean, when you look at the board of MDF now, we have over 30 individuals that are really shepherds of the funding that we receive from the community and are following that same mission to ensure that our students have access to programs and opportunities that wouldn't otherwise be available. That's awesome. And it's inspiring. It gives you hope that if you're working on something that 
it can have lights and it can grow to something really big and continue to help kids beyond your time. So I want to get into some of the details here. Can you explain what's the relationship between MBEF and MBUSD? Sure. So when we first started, I would say that we focused on really any and all grants that would make a difference in our classrooms or in our school settings. As we have grown and as time has progressed, we really helped better define exactly what those types of grants would be. And it's that definition with the district, as well as with our parent-teacher organizations, our PTAs, that have really helped ensure the success of MBF, of our PTAs, and MBUSD. So we work closely with MBUSD to make sure that our grants are allocated specifically to programs and educators who provide these additional opportunities. So with us, we're able to, and that's the beauty of any funding from MBF, it's not just going to a general fund. It's going directly to a grant that not only do our, does our board, but also our parent population, our stakeholders there, our teachers, as well as MBUSD believes in. So it's not just going to something where it could be be dispersed in ways we're not aware of. It is directly impacting programs that we have been doing so for years and years. So we see that continuity. We see that growth. We see the value over and over again. So when we are funding a program in our elementary schools, like music, for example, or Makerspace, let's take Makerspace because that program just came back to our district this year, thanks to donations from our parents last year, as well as a disbursement from the endowment and the wine auction um, proceeds also. But Makerspace is on our campus for our students who are in TK through fifth grade at our elementary schools. They have that opportunity to get into a what we call a maker lab and experiment with materials and figure out how can I make something fly farther than it did um, without this apparatus on it? You know, how can I build and construct something with trial and error to ensure my success? And there's going to be lots of failure. There's going to be, and it takes grit. It teaches collaboration, watching your, your peer do something. Oh, look at how that works. Figuring it out and having that opportunity to really dig in, that kind of value that we're providing in our elementary schools then grows into the middle and into the high school. Because then a student like that gets into the middle school and it might have triggered some sort of interest. It might have said, hey, I really love that concept of experimenting more with that. I want to take the STEM wheel. I want to explore more with what that might offer me and then take the STEM advanced elective. And then by the time a student gets into high school, they have robotics, coding, all sorts of technology and engineering programs that really, really embrace that kernel or seed of interest that the student had way back when in elementary school. And I bring that up because... There was recently an article in South Bay Magazine on Taylor Ryan. She's a local student here at Maricosta High School who was even quoted as saying that she got her idea for starting this young entrepreneur program of breastplates for young women in sports and athletics 
from her experience in her space. It was that sort of opportunity that supplied her with the grit, with the knowledge, with the interest even in diving in deeper and figuring out he, how she could solve a problem or a challenge that she saw. And she's now patented a new product to help do so. Wow. It's pretty amazing. It really is. And it's interesting. There's Makerspace, MBEF funds the libraries, and books open the doors to so many different windows. So, so many things that MBEF provides really allows kids to find out more who they are and to do that hands-on learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. The science labs really connect the curriculum that's happening in the classroom with the classroom teacher to be able to then in action. The uh, PE specialists really focus on building team building, collaboration, and specific skill sets in different sports. Our music program, we have built so much into the music that it has grown so tremendously into our Grammy award-winning programs at the high school. Those will continue. But for the most of the time as well, much of our funding we can shift and we can see what are the needs of our students in our community right now. So last year, for example, we helped to fund distance learning TOSAs or teachers on special assignment to help teach teachers how to teach in distance learning. And we also supplied funding in order to provide curriculum for them to be able to share with the students because everything was online. So our funding, while, while it's stable and usually somewhere between 8 and 10% of the district's overall budget, there is some flexibility in it so that we can also address the needs of what's happening the current time. That's a huge number. That's, that adds a lot. I remember, I think it was 2019 that we were going into a budget crisis. So we, we had to make a lot of, we were talking about making a lot of cuts. So I was telling my kids and they were like, now, there's not going to be anything fun left in school. So <laughs> between Makerspace and the library and gym, like, you know, I would even, anyone who's listening, I would say, ask your kid on a Friday afternoon, what were the most fun parts of the week? And I would bet NBEF funded part of those things. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's not just our elementary schools that we touch, of course. You know, those are the programs that, we can talk about because they're the ones that the kids come home and share about. But when you think about the amount of funding that we also dedicate towards class size reduction, keeping our fourth and fifth grade classes maxed at 30, when really in state, there is no maximum. It could go up to 38 if we, if we didn't have the funding to bring it down. We keep we keep our class sizes low in sixth through eighth grade in both humanities and English, as well as our math classes. And then, of course, in ninth grade also, when it's those transition years, those years that students and teachers really need to have more hands-on and, and personalized interaction with the student to really help guide them. We would love to have lower class sizes across the board. And if there were funding for that, I guarantee you that would be a top priority. I, yeah, I, I do know a lot of the budget goes towards lower class size, class size, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. That's great. I want to get into the numbers because I, this is, amazes me every year. How much does NBUSD get from the state every year? So the way in which funding works for the schools within K-12 
California now is when Prop 13 passed, different communities no longer funded their schools locally. The funding went up to the state and then it was dispersed at the state level. There's lots of other things that went into that and lots of what goes into how much money we receive right now as well. So what happens is that in our community in Manhattan Beach, about 20%, give or take, every year, depending upon what's happening in, in um, the community, will is earmarked for education. So only 20%. When that 20% um, goes up to the state, the state recognizes that that's not enough to fund our school system in the way that it has been evaluated, all students or all schools should receive funding. So on a per pupil basis, that 20% does not equate what the state says our school district should receive. They augment that with additional funding. Some districts are also augmented with funding directed towards specialized groups, our, our foster youth, our English language learners, our free and reduced lunch students. There's an additional supplement that goes on top of that that is able to support the programs to support these students. Obviously, greatly essential. We don't have a large population of students that have those needs. On the base level, funding is, is low all around. So it's that base level of funding that we hope will increase at some point. So when you look at a state like New York and in a particular community where property taxes are high, then the funding in that particular community is going to be robust. So at the point in which Prop 13 passed here in California, it was determined that funding was not equitable. So the goal was to make funding more equitable across the state. But in the end, what we've done is undercut how much funding we receive per people altogether across the state. So um, in those states where they still are funding at a local level, there still might be some discrepancies from county to county or town to town. Um, but on average, they're receiving significantly more. You look at a state like New York, you look at a state like New Jersey, well over 20,000 per people. That's incredible. It also makes me like wonder, like, how, how do you guys even do it? Well, and so... Much of what is used to fund schools like that are property taxes. So property taxes are higher there as well. As, as high as we think our property yeah. taxes are, <laughs> they're not as high as they could be. So actually, the way in which our schools are primarily funded are through income tax. So our income tax is high, but our property taxes are lower. Wow, that's so interesting. Thank you for explaining all this to me. I hope other people are finding this as interesting as I am. Because I, I feel like I've heard pieces here and pieces there. Just to, to sit down and understand this in so much detail is really great. Can you explain the idea of a revenue limit district and why we can't change it? So we talked about how when you compare our district or our state to other states in terms of um, where the funding comes from. When the decision in California was made to bring all funding up to the state and so make it, this is Prop 13 that we're just, we're back to Prop 13. Okay. Absolutely right. In 1978. Okay. So when that decision was made, in fact, the decision was also made that if property taxes in that community were enough 
to be able to, to sustain education that was being supplied in that community or district, then they would keep them plus any surplus that the property taxes were providing. That's what's called a basic aid district. When we talked earlier, I mentioned our property taxes could not sustain what we needed to fund for education. We're called a revenue limit district. So the difference is we're, we're nominal and only get that base level that the state provides. But a district that or, or community town that was designated way back when as basic aid, it had surplus property taxes, keeps those. So they're, they're basic aid and they get to keep all of that surplus. So when you consider us against a Laguna Beach, okay, for example, they're receiving, they have so much, so much in property taxes above and beyond what the state says is that base level that they keep, that they're being able to fund their students at a 17,000 or so per people basis. Wow. This is so interesting. Wow. Okay. And it's hard to shift that. It's really hard to shift that because when you look at the footprint of Manhattan Beach, we're not a sprawling community. We can start expanding and start building new properties to be able to increase the property tax level in our community. We're turning over properties, but it's still not significant enough to ever to get us to basic aid in our lifetime. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. So incomes and BEF to the rescue. Incomes and BEF. And, and you can see probably is if you've seen any material from MBF, you've seen our per people funding chart. And you've seen how limited we are and how we tried to augment the state and federal funding with other ways. We have a small parcel tax of $225 per parcel that was really only implemented recently. And then we have definite support from the city as well as from our PTAs. And we finally have the Education Foundation and BEF. Doesn't, did the parcel tax go to paying for um, the property renovations or not really? No. Oh, I don't know why I thought that. No, the parcel tax is designated only for education. So it goes to the general fund of the district, which then allocates that towards its general budget. Oh, I, I didn't know that. So how did we pay for the new gym and all the property, all the improvements across the campuses? All of the improvements at, at every campus and as well as the new gym were all funded through what we call bonds. And those bonds are allocated to specific things and um, they have to be facilities oriented. Okay. Thank you. I left for the clarification. Okay. So MBEF, I kind of want to do like a fact blast. Okay. Um, how much do you raise every year? We raise money through a variety of different sources, but our annual appeal is, is our main fundraiser. We kick that off in August and run that through the end of January. And the whole purpose of that is to engage our parent community as well as other members and, and business sponsors in trying to fund programs for the coming year. So we end that in the end of January so we can really determine how much funding we'll have to fund next year. On top of that annual appeal, which typically raises around $5 million, we're able to raise funding through our community partner program other small-scale events, our Manhattan Wine Auction, which is a phenomenal, fun event that all should attend. In addition to those other sources, like our annual appeal, 
we have the MBF endowment. And I mentioned earlier when it was started, not long after our organization itself, and as it has grown, it now is has the ability to disperse funding to help impact grants for the coming year. So it grows for future needs at the same time as helping to support our current needs. And at the rate that it is now, according to our disbursement policy, it can disperse up to 5% of the average of the calendar year for the past three years. So for this last year, it dispersed just under a million dollars. That's awesome. Okay, how much do you raise? How much should all, should all those pieces t- together? How much should they add up to? In a typical year, we've been able to raise upwards of $6.57 million, somewhere in that range. We have very low costs. We pride ourselves in being highly regarded by Charity Navigator, all the different scales, and our expenses are less than 9% overall. So on an average year, we're granting to the district upwards of $6 million. There are times like in 2019 when our community just came together for our first virtual wine auction because of COVID and raised over a million dollars that we directed immediately back to the district that we in total granted 7.5 million, an all-time high. There are also those years like this current year that we've only been able to grant 5.3. And that is because our fundraising was down because of COVID and the, I think, lack of understanding of the fact that our grants were still happening and that the funding was still essential. Right. And the funding that you raised last year actually is helping now. Yes. Yeah. So you might, you you know, a, a common question is, well, how could you bring back Makerspace then? How could you bring back our science specialists to the level that they are with less funding? And the answer to that is temporary funding from the state and federal government. If we did not have, or if the district did not have that temporary funding this year, they would not have been able to keep some of the classroom teachers that we have. And therefore, some of our funding would again have to be directed to that. So my hope is that this year, our parents, our community will understand that better and really rise to the occasion and contribute to the annual appeal as they have in the past so that next year we're able to sustain these programs again. Great, great. Um, do any individuals still donate after their kids are out of our schools? Absolutely. Yeah, it seems like once you're in this community, like, oh, see. gosh. I mean, we yeah. talked about that small group of people that helped to start the wine auction and the endowment and so forth. These are still donors. Wow. We, these are, we have built a foundation here that people still give to time and time again. Our schools are such a huge part of what make this community. So, yeah, I, there's, I can definitely say doing that when my kids are older. What are you most proud of with MBEFs? I think what I'm most proud of with MBF is the way in which we have really, truly engaged the community in our effort. That's a goal that I had when I started my role as executive director, and it's a goal that I still continue to have. We, I know the impact that we have on students. It's, it's sharing that out with everyone in the community, with parents, with 
teachers at different levels, with business owners, with graduates, with grandparents. And the more and more people that understand that, the more and more we're able to do with this banking. So that I think is is what I'm most proud of about. I've seen that growth and I know what we can accomplish together. That's great. Thank you. So the ask is $2,000 per student. What do you say to families where that donation is out of their budget? I ask families to really see the value that their own students are receiving from our grants. Our grants really do reach every student every day in some way. So I would hope that a family would truly look at their finances and and consider what would be a meaningful gift for us. It might not be 2000 per student. That might not be possible. But contributing and being part of this community effort and seeing the value and recognizing the effort to help students achieve more in our district, I think it's, is truly worthwhile. Great. Yeah, I think so. It, it, I almost feel like we're all in it together at that next level when we donate. Absolutely. So, yes, absolutely. We are all in it together. Yeah. You know, and uh, quite frankly, I mean, that's that's kind of like the the motto that we've been living by, particularly over the past two years. And, you know, all of our teachers and staff now have teacher T-shirts that say, you know, stronger schools, stronger communities, stronger together. And that's what we stand for. That's what our foundation stands for. You know, people will come up to me and say, thank you so much. You do so much. You know, NBF is so amazing. It's not NBF that's amazing. It's this community. I say that to you all the time. That's what you say back to me. You're like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not me. It's not this great team that I have. It's the community. It is. It is. When you look at the at what we've accomplished together over the years, and when you see, you know, what our students are getting out of this, it it's all of us together that have this impact. It truly is. I mean, we we are we are simply just shepherds and and guideposts for helping to ensure that this can be accomplished. But it's the community that believes in it that really is the difference. And thank you. <laughs> One last question I'd love to ask you uh, something that I'm really excited about, and that is a potential parcel tax. Can you tell people what that parcel tax is? Do we know what it'll look like yet? Um, how it'll help MBEF or how it'll help our kids? Is there is there still a need for MBEF with the parcel tax? All great questions. Thank you. I found that you get excited about that. I do. <laughs> well, because it's sustainable, because I see you and I see the board, I see us getting stressed out when, you know, we're behind schedule. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not, you know, we don't know if in a bad economy, how sustainable, sure. you know, our level of giving is at MBEF. So how does, that's why it gets me so excited. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and you should be excited because it's the potential. It's the potential of what we can create here. And I think it, for me personally, it is the consistency of inconsistency that has worn our community down. And I will say this um, I, all the time when I'm talking with people is that when I first got engaged with MBF and with our community schools, 
I thought we were fundraising because we hadn't reached where we need to be yet. And I thought we will get there, maybe not next year, but the year after or the year after that. And it's just not the case. It's not about getting there yet with what we're supplied by state and federal funding. It is about what can we do locally to ensure that we get there. We've talked about the funding structure and how we truly are unique in that we're not getting a lot of supplemental funding. We're not basic aid because of the way our our taxes were structured way back when. So what can we do to have an impact? And other than MBEF, other than a huge endowment that will hopefully at some point be able to continue what MBF does without a team. And I'd love to work myself out of a job, but until then, we have to find other sources. And a parcel tax is a good solution for sustainable funding for our schools. We started with a small one of $225 per parcel. That has a small impact on what we can accomplish. It did save 20 jobs in the time that it was passed. But each year, as expenses rise for all districts throughout the state, and as our state funding level stays relatively low, we are going to see peak slips issued, then recalled, or perhaps not recalled, will continue to lose very valuable, young, energized teachers who want to make brand muffins for their students before finals, who want to invite them in during office hours and want to see learning sparked in kids' eyes. And when we continue to see that influx and, and, and um, inconsistency, it's really hard. It's really hard. So a parcel tax at a higher level will ensure long-term that we can go more with the flow with what expenses might rise. Um, we will not be dependent on states funding that only we will still have meet state funding, but not only that is so dependent on the um, income tax levels and where they're at in a given year. We will be able to really create a way within our own district to set a vision and live to that vision. And this is what I aspire to. This is where, where I really, really hope we can get to, where we have a place where the district's budget through MBUSD, supported by a significant parcel tax, can support smaller class sizes, more personalized learning, more facilities upkeep, more, more initiatives in general that support our, the overall health of our district. And then a foundation like MBEF, who has grown over time as well, can still support those very valuable additional programs that still will be viable without additional funding, and there still will be a need. But we'll have that, that pathway where we won't see the influx of, well, now we need to start dedicating towards teacher salaries because. There's no other funding to do so. You know, we need to we need to build the structure together and PTAs will have a role, NBF will have a role, st- our, our local district will have a role with supported funding through this parcel tax. That's the vision 
I hope we can achieve Gee, that's together. exciting. It is it's exciting. It's really, really exciting. I get very excited about it. I hope that our community does. I hope that by understanding that this will be funding that is that that is in line with this vision, we'll support it because it's a big ask. A part do we know what it's going to look like yet? We don't know exactly. Polling is happening right now. We will find out. Uh, NBEF does not make a decision in that in that regards. We are aligned with a parcel tax because we want the same things. We want quality education in our in our town, but we don't make that decision. So when the when the school board makes the decision as to what that parcel tax will be, there will be a committee that is formed that will dedicate themselves to sharing that out to the public and to ensuring that it be passed. A parcel tax requires a supermajority. So yeah. it's an uphill battle, but I hope that um, good questions will be asked and I hope even better answers will be supplied. Great. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something to look forward to. And for, for all of us who are really passionate about our community and our education, the education of all our kids, I think it's, um, you know, hopefully we'll all get involved to make that happen. I knocked on doors for, that's why it's embarrassing that I screwed up the bond thing because I knocked on doors and um, at first it was hard because, you know, people would slam doors in your face, but then it was fun. And I was like, no, I'm going to talk to you. Uh, hopefully we can get some door knockers. It does get fun after you get a few doors slammed in your face. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing like starting your day that way. Yes. <laughs> No, it's great. Um, and a huge thing that was Jen Benton and Jeff Sirota who got who led the charge there, right? Absolutely. They did a phenomenal job. Amazing, amazing community people. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to say? Other than um, you know, I have to say, I have to say thank you to you, Ellen, as being a board member of MBF, but I think because you are representative of the people in this community. You volunteer your time to host this podcast, to get the word out, to share ideas, to share um, solutions, to share challenges with the entire community. And it's people like you that make my job easier and that make my job as um, a part of MBF fulfilling because I know we are in this together and we'll get through this together. And there's a lot of people like me who are rolling up their sleeves and just want to be part of this. I keep thinking about um, what Wish said if people listen to the PTA interview. I asked them if they had a billboard, what would their, their billboard say? And Wish's answer was, you get out of it what you put into it. And ever since then, I've realized it's true with everything in life. Everything. So all of us who are working and care so much about our schools, we get as much out of it, maybe more out of it than we put into it. So thank you for your kind words. And it's truly a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Melon. I appreciate it. Thanks.